August 13th, 2010, Frankel wins for the first time at Newmarket, beginning an incredible run of 14 wins. All great streaks start somewhere, so start your own with Betfair's free bet streak. Simply bet £20 on the exchange this week and get a £5 free bet. If you win with a free bet, you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Weekly opt-in, back on exchange bets, place Monday to Sunday. Minimum odds to £1.55 free bet awarded at Bet Settlement. Ballot for 72 hours, T's and C's apply, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by AtTheRaces.com, your ultimate resource for finding winners. Welcome to the Weekend Preview. Welcome to the Weekend on the Final Furlong Podcast. I'm your host, Demis Kennedy, joined by a man who I was on the radio with all day from the sun. It's Mr. Tom Ball. Hello, I'm Lovely to be here. Yeah, very much on the waves this afternoon with you. Very much fun. We can't get away from each other, man. It's crazy. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll, uh, we'll have some weekend winners and lots of gravy to be found. Speaking of finding gravy, she's been crushing it with place pots and trifectas and exactas on her at the races column it's kate tracy hi guys yeah thanks so much for having me on twice in a week now so yeah uh looking forward to this weekend for, uh, for sort of different reasons than usual but um it's gonna be interesting to talk about it nonetheless i'm not sure if you know this yet but monday evening do you know that you're doing the Galway preview with me? Monday evening, I was not aware, but I am now. Well, <laughs> that's how the final Fulham podcast rolls. Production gets sorted. Tony Keenan gets booked for the Irish Champions Weekend live on the show. And uh, you'll be joining Danny Mullins and myself as we look ahead to Galway on Monday. Earlier in the day, we'll have previewed Goodwood with Declan Ricks and Rory Delargy. That should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. Uh, and we have an interview podcast next week as well, but shh, more on that later. Let's be excited and let's make some money, shall we? Let's make some money. Uh, so look, it's a small but select field. If you want to complain about only two trainers turning up, what I would say is at least two of them are turning up. And mm. it would have been nice to see Magical here, but I still think the world of Japan. And uh, Japan is currently 3.5 on the Betfair Exchange. That's on the sports book, actually. On the Betfair Exchange, you can currently get 3.9, maybe even 4.0 if you post up. You possibly could get that. Uh, but the sports book guys, uh, they aren't taking any chances. On the Exchange, he's slightly bigger. Enable, 1.53 on the Exchange as she bids for her historic third victory in the race. She didn't run in 2018, so 2017 is a three-year-old. And of course, last year's fantastic race, as Kate was alluding to. And then you've got two outsiders, but two very, very talented horses in their own right on their day. The Derby winner, Anthony Van Dyke with Oshin Murphy on board, 12.0, and Sovereign, the Irish Derby winner, with William Buick on board, 14.0. Kate, we'll start with you. Enable, Japan, Anthony Van Dyke, Sovereign. Aidan O'Brien did that interview with Chris Cook where he said, all of my horses run on their merits. But people will, will, and to be fair, he said that, and what happened? They go and win the Derby with Serpentine. That being said, an Irish Derby winner and a Derby winner shouldn't really be dismissed but in betting terms, they are. Should they be such big prices against a horse who was beaten for the first time in four years on British soil last time out in Enable and Japan, who hasn't quite fired yet this season? Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? As you say, taking that kind of approach, it's going to make it uh, fascinating. And so there's actually a bit of value when you take that sort of uh, approach to the race. But just start with Enable. I mean, I still feel strange commenting on Enable because what can I say about her that hasn't already been said? And obviously this is the most perfect opportunity now for her. And I thought it was before the final declarations even, but evidently her job has been made a lot easier now. And I thought her return was satisfactory in Eclipse. And as John Godson said himself, that she probably... Uh, never should have gone off the even money favourite against Gaeth, who was always going to be suited more by the race. The 10 furlongs was always going to be on the sharp side for Enable, and John Gosden said going into the race that she was only 80-85% fit anyway, and basically this wasn't the goal for her. As with any other horses, they get older, they just get a bit wiser, they don't exert themselves as much on the gallops, or doing their pieces of work necessarily with the same sharp zest that they might have done when they were younger, and also, just like with humans, as they get older, they get a bit stuffier and they just they hold their weight in their condition for longer. So naturally, they're more likely to need to gain their peak race fitness on the track rather than at home. So I think she ran well behind a very good horse who people can stop doubting his abilities or his attitude now, who had conditions all in his favour. So if she wins this, which I'm assuming she does, as I thought the only real threat to her 
was going to be magical and she doesn't run, then it's going to be, it's going to set the Yorkshire Oaks up with love so well and will make quite the spectacle. Uh, so that is obviously if Enable wins this. So of course, you say Japan, he's always been a horse who carries the condition himself and needs his first run to come forwards, possibly even two runs now that he's a four-year-old. And I mean, we all said last season following his efforts in the Derby that he was the horse to follow for the rest of the season. It turned out that way of the three wins on the bounce and the fourth in the arc. But the size of him in the Prince of Wales estate, you knew it was going to take a huge effort to win that race. And that was just seeing TV pictures too, which unlike um, people, uh, the TV who in on TV actually adds 10 pounds to. Uh, horses tend to look <laughs> 20 at least. 20 at least. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm putting this out there as I'm starting to do more, more camera work. <laughs> uh, but horses actually kind of in contrast they actually look leaner in photos and videos I find than they might actually be in real life plus my spies that were there said the same thing also he definitely had trimmed up for the Royal Ascot run in the Eclipse but I do just feel that he wasn't 100% peak fitness at Sandown and is likely to come on again for that run and we've spoken about the family trait haven't we with Sir Isaac Newton and Mogul just stuffy family who need their races Uh, Anthony Van Dyke to give him his proper prefix poor old Anthony Van Dyke. I thought he ran so well in, in the coronation cut to finish second. Visually, I think it looked more impressive than the actual sectionals, though, because the actual sectionals, uh, I mean, it, visually, it looked like Gaeth was tiring at the line, but and it looked as though Anthony Van Dyke was closing, but in reality, that wasn't the case. So he may well have been flattered by the visual impression he made in the coronation cup. And you can see that people thought that was that he was going uh, that that was the case visually because he was sent off obviously the nine to four favourite for the Hardwick, and admittedly he wasn't helped by Defoe, who was keeping him boxed in. And by the time he had found any room to gallop into, Frankie had already given Fanny Logan a Frankie S ride and has swooped around the outside. But Anthony Van Dyke is still plugging away at blind, which, but without you making you think, wow, watch him for next time out when he gets a clearer passage. So kind of from the pace perspective, I was interested in what Sovereign is going to do because I know he was held up last time with the vintage crop stakes and I'd be very surprised if they didn't utilise him to set the pace here though, especially as he was so keen in behind last time out and saw out the 1-6 trip well. I thought at the Curra. So he should have the pace and stamina to make this a really good test. So I wonder if Bally Doyle are thinking of getting an able beat with an arc type situation from last year, with Sovereign setting a decent pace, Frankie then halfway down the home straight, wanting to put the race to bed. But because of the early strong fractions Sovereign is likely to set and the sustained fractions too, if Japan will track an able, then try to outstay her after being the last to kick and try a bold guys like mugging now he has had his two runs to get his peak fitness back but i doubt frankie will let enable get trapped on the rail by anthony van dyke because a that will be an almost impossible task with only four runners even if three quarters of those are bally door horses and b that's not how frankie rides Ascot at all you rarely see frankie end up on the rail there and that's why he rides Ascot better than anyone so it's going to be interesting from kind of a tactical perspective but i still think enable will win that's a very solid case however let's hear from mr tom bull before I rule in favour of the prosecution or the defence. I'm not even <laughs> sure which side Enable is on. Tumble. <laughs> Look, I've been trying to find an angle where Enable gets beaten and the only angle I can think of is Sovereign getting an absolutely mammoth lead like he had in the Irish Derby and not being caught. And I just can't see that happening again because we saw that Serpentine in the Derby at Epsom and surely Frankie the Tory is not going to be giving Sovereign too big a lead. So come, come down to the fact that Enable can't get beaten. She's going to win her third King George. It's great to see. It's great that Enable's coming back. John Gosden's done such a good job to get her there. We should not crowd that fact. She is a class act. She's a heroine of the turf. She's one of the great mayors of recent times. And it would be, it wouldn't be right not to give her the credit she does deserve. And if she does win this, you know, she is a, tr- a, th- a th- triple Queen George winner. How many horses have done that in the past? So, you know, credit where credit is due. However, this is not a very strong race in which she needs to do that. So, Look, let's be honest. I think the way that she picked up Japan in the Eclipse last time out means that she will do so again. As Kate said, she, he, she wasn't fully fit that day. And Japan really was kind of, you know, put in his place by her. She went past him fairly easily. And I think she will do the same again. And she will find it a lot easier to do so over this longer trip. Of course, Japan will be better suited by this longer trip as well. But I'd be, I'd be very confident that she would confirm those placings. Um, yes, and Japan is entitled to improve again, but he's got to go some to be under her favourite conditions. I mean, she gets three pounds again, and there's you know 
in my opinion, there's nothing in the field to beat her or even get within a length or two at her best on ratings particularly as well. Um, we haven't got a horse rated in the kind of 20, 127 that Crystal Ocean was last year um, or even in the, you know, the, the, high, the high, kind of the mid to high 25s that we had before. Um, it's a bit of a shame in my view, but that's just one of those things. I mean, what we were saying about pile driver earlier, one horse I'd have loved to see in this race is Khalifa Sat. Oh, there's mm. a shout. Mm. He ran a great race in the Derby. Uh, a lot of people thought it was a bit of a fluke, but why would it have been a fluke? I know he had a great position all the way around, but he could easily have got overtaken in the final few yards by, by you know, at least Kamako or English King, and they could have gone past him. But he kept going, he kept grinding away. And I think he is a pretty class horse. And this is the kind of race where you get that three-yard allowance and you think, Andrew Balling, come on, why not run him in this race? <laughs> or at least enter him and then think about it because you can see the entries and then, well, actually, that might be worth doing. And you know what? I, think I would give him a big chance if he had run in this race to, to come second at least. So that's a shame in itself. However, back to the race, I can't see enable getting beaten. Um, you know, there's no there's no Jack Hobbs or Highland Reel in here. There's no Chris Solution. There's no Waldgeist. And it just comes back to the undeniable fact that Enable is better than these horses. And if she turns up at near her best, she'll win this. She doesn't even have to be at her best to win this. And even tactically, there's no way I can take her on. So Enable is the one to beat. I'd be very disappointed if she didn't do it. And I think the only way she doesn't win is if there's something amiss. So hopefully that won't happen and she can win a third King George and give the crowd, or lack of one, what they want. <laughs> Twitter will go nuts in, yes. in the crowd's absence. Uh, you're both making a very solid case for Enable. I'm taking her on. <gasps> very brave. Yeah. yeah what? Do you know what? I don't really think it is that brave. Tony Keenan made some very interesting points on the podcast looking back at the season so far. One of them was quotes from John Gosden and a very worrying quote from Frankie Dettori, which is that she seems to have developed quite a lazy attitude at home, which isn't how she used to be. She's a bit lethargic now. While the horse that I'm going to back was behind her, Japan will love this trip. And more importantly, he'll love the ground. It's good, but it's not good to firm. He wants it good soft. Royal Ascot was disappointing. It was too bad to be true. It was a lot more like it in the Eclipse. Coolmore want to win this. They would happily send Magical here, but she's going to go for the Tattersall's Gold Cup, which means that they clearly feel Japan is up to this. I will take the 3.9 currently on Betfair. I'm going to back him again. If you don't want to have a bet in this because it's a forerunner race and you can't place bet and you can't do each way betting, then just sit back and watch Sky Sports and watch the race because you're going to see a star one way or the other. Enable is the queen of the turf, but her day is the arc. She's not in training to win another King George. She's in training to win a third arc. That's what, that's what this season is all about. Japan, I think they'd happily win this race and it would be enough to add to his CV because he may not win an arc. And I'll be disappointed if Japan can't win on Saturday. Because if he can't, then that's it. He, he won't be able to do it in the arc. This is going to be his best opportunity. I understand absolutely where you're coming from and the fact that Enable is being kept in training for another arc. But I don't think John Gosden is going to have left anything to chance. I think she's going to be pretty much bang on fitness for this. He said before the Eclipse, she's about 85% fit. And since then, she's had that run in the Eclipse, which would have brought her on further. And I'm sure since then, she would have been know, doing the odd bit of work as well to keep her up to, up to scratch. So I think she'll be fit enough to do herself justice. And I think this will be very much, despite not being plan A, it's plan A, B, if that makes sense. I think this is definitely a race that they want to pick up on the way to the arc. And I think if she got beaten here, they would think that their chance in the arc had definitely been reduced. So I, I, I think from that point of view, I be, definitely wouldn't be worried about the fact that um, enables plan A is, is the arc because they, they are going to go for, for health of leather for this race as well and a third King George is not something you can put on your CV very often so I think Carla Dulla and all connections John Gosden Teddy Grimthorpe will be absolutely delighted if they win a King George and that is definitely what they'll be aiming for but I do get where you're coming from and despite what you say I do think Japan's biggest day will also be in the arc so mm. I know uh, almost you kind of think from the same point of view really yes Aidan O'Brien would love to win King George but yeah, I think he'd even more love to win a, like, an arc even more with Japan so I'd, I'd still be inclined to go with Enable so Enable for Tom and for Case I'm I'm going for Japan and <laughs> I think I'm going to probably back him again so if there's egg all over my face when we're recording on Monday for a Goodwood preview and for Galway, uh, Goodwood in the afternoon, Galway in the evening, 
then you'll probably hear it in my tone, but I'm going to side with him. The last chance saloon for Japan for me. 3.9, currently on the Bedford Exchange. Enable, 1.53. Kate and Tom are with Enable. I'm taking them on. And I'll probably look very, very, very foolish. Uh, the three o'clock at Ascot is the Bedford Nifty 50 handicap, to give it its uh, full due. Czar heads the betting on the Bedford Exchange at 3.5. Johan, 4.33 for Tom Marquand and William Haggis. Dance Fever, 6.5. Evening Sun for Ryan Moore and Roger Charlton in the Queen's colours is 6.5. This was a race that you wanted to highlight, Tom Bull. Why? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Johan. Uh, only had five starts in his career. There's one, three of them. And both times he was beaten, he actually beaten by military march. Uh, most notably, of course, in the autumn stakes when that group three contest probably came a little bit too soon in his career. But obviously, it's worked out extremely well. That Alsu Hale looking like the next Bellerophon at Newmarket last time out. Um, he's a horse going places, I think it's fair to say. He really impressed me on his return at Newbury last time out. He was a long way back that day on his return, but produced a potent, a sensational <laughs> to grind down breathalyze in the shadows of the post. That was a proper performance. You watch that back again, you think there's no way he can win. He's coming from the clouds. He's coming from on high. And there he does come on the James Doll to finish with a right old flourish and grab the lead on the line. And I tell you what, it's definitely worth more than the margin of victory would suggest that performance. And the pair finished over three lengths clear of the rest. It was quite a nice little race. It was a John Boston favourite back in fifth, and I'd say it was a very good performance indeed. And it was fully deserving of the eight-pound rise the handicap has clobbered him with, but I think it's absolutely fair enough. I mean, it almost made my trachea swallow my tongue, but it was fully deserved. And I think this straight mile, we write up his streak. Uh, he's top weight in a race of this nature that is never easy, I would admit. But I think he's a group performer in the making, and if he is, he will need to win this to fulfil those aspirations. So hopefully... Johan, named hopefully after Johann Sebastian Bach, my favourite composer. I have to say, there's only one horse I fear in this race because I think the two, Johan and Tsar, are a long way clear of the rest in terms of both potential form so far and what they could achieve in the future. So Tsar is the big danger for me, for John Gosden. Uh, he won well last time out, the form of which looks quite strong. So I would fear him, but I don't think he's going to quite be able to get to Johan, who I would just favour. Tell me all, uh, for Sir Mark Prescott, I don't think he's probably capable of winning a handicap like this of a mark of 90 from what I've seen so far. And Evening Sun, the Queen's Horse, it's not an easy race to make a handicap debut in and it's not a very generous opening mark. But I think it's between the top two. I can't have Clive Cox's runner either, Dance Fever. I was really disappointed with the way he ran on return. I thought he was going to win that race and he couldn't really put it all together. So for me, it's Johan. And the way that he won on return just says to me he's a proper group horse in the making. And over this trip, over this, under these conditions, with Tom Marquand on board, my favourite jockey in England, he is going to win this race. I don't know about you, but when Tom said, hopefully named after, immediately I thought he's going to say Johan Cruyff. <laughs> well, no, no, because you remember, I'm, I'm a bit of a loser, so it's not, there's more music for bosers. But <laughs> no, it turns out Tom is posher than Vanessa Ryle. Yes, if you like classical music, then therefore you must be incredibly posh. Do you mean you don't have a favourite composer, Emmett? Carl Orff, O Fortuna. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to throw Gustav Holst into the mix. Oh, it's nice. The planet. Nice. The planet. Yeah. We're, we're, we're all letting our uh, our inner composers come out now. Um, I was absolutely adamant you were going to say Johan Cruyff and out comes Strauss. So, yeah. I there did you got your Cruyff turn on you, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, puns are being used against me. Uh, right. So, William Haggis, whose stable are just on fire this season. Johan for Tumble. But what about you, Kate Tracy? Are you going to rain on this parade? <laughs> oh, no, I love Johan as well. Um, but obviously, Tom's covered him really well there. So I'm, I'm don't, no need to, to cover any more on him. Say, Tsar, Tsar, Tsar is, a, is a lovely horse himself. He's just, he's a proper nice horse. And, uh, and 
I thought he beat a decent but a bit quirky horse from the Archie Watson yard last time out in Yes My Boy. So the fact he beat him comfortably gives him even more credit in my eyes. And all of his form stacks up from his four runs in his career so far, even on his penultimate start. He was second to Lord Campari, who hasn't helped the form since by disappointing in the Sir Henry Cecil stakes. But he's clearly still a promising horse to give another chance to down the line. I think Zara will keep on improving. And this mark of 94, in my opinion, looks likely to underestimate him uh, whether that's in this race or the next I think he's better than 94 but the one who I did think was a bit of value to try and take on those front two at the head of the market was Evening Sun this is the other horse I I really like who's making his handicap debut off of £10 higher than his opening mark he was given after running out an easy winner of the new market novice on his reappearance over seven furlongs there were some alright without being outstanding horses in behind that day also Ryan Moore rides in for the first time too and he's stepping up a trip which should suit him based on that most recent run and the fact is Galileo Dam was a winner over one mile four on the all weather so hopefully that will translate well to the one mile on the Ascot turf so for a bit of value I'm going to chuck an evening sun 7.0 evening sun is right now on the Bet for Exchange for Roger Charlton and Ryan Moore and the Queen uh, can we get a little bit of Karl Orff Twella? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that made the difference. <laughs> oh my. Tell you what, Sky, if you just play that before the King George, everybody will go nuts. <laughs> we'll is forget. that not the one they play when the, the, at the end of the group ones? Yes, it is, isn't it? Yeah, I think it might be. The Kipco music. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, they do use it. That seems to be a, a epic trailer version. Is that what that is? Epic trailer, yeah, epic trailer version, apparently. She went all out there with this. Uh, right, that is uh, a look at the three o'clock. The 10 past four, the handicap over a mile and four, Media Storm on his second start for David Simcock and uh, Martin Dwyer uh, for Team Valor is currently heading the betting at 5.0 on the Betfair Exchange. Uh, Kate Tracy, you can lead us off here. Uh, the 10 past four mm. at Ascot. Who wins? Mm, yeah, just to touch on the favourite media storm. Um, but he's probably my favourite sire at the minute, who I mentioned on the last podcast in Night of Thunder. So he's already on to a winner with me. Just the two starts for him. Winning on debut, Wolverhampton February, before finishing a short head second to a well-bred stout horse. But the third that day, make haste slowly, one next time out. But other than that, it's kind of hard to know what the form actually amounted to. And this mark could very easily underestimate him on handicap debut of 82. Too, but there's not enough evidence there of that yet for me to be wanting to back in his favourites for some equally likeable but more exposed types at bigger prices. So the one who I like here, who I'm just having to scroll down to find a little bit there, it was Dreamweaver. He did really well last season after being switched to handicaps for his reappearance, went on to win three races. Definitely deserved of his place in this lineup, just like we know and expect from the Ed Walker horses. He looked like he needed his reappearance run at Kempton. He finished fifth behind Pallavicino after weakening out of it inside the final furlong, but he managed to rectify that with a really good win last time out at Haydock over one mile four under Sheen Murphy. He's up six pounds for that win which by the manner of victory is fair. And by my current show of betting, I think he's overpriced Dreamweaver. I'm liking that. I'm liking that a lot. Dreamweaver is a horse that we've talked about on this show in the past as well. Um, and it wasn't in the lead up to winning at odds on. So I'm trying to remember what, what that success is. Uh, now, do you have a concern about Luke Morris trying to hail a cab? <laughs> Especially in London, there's a lot of them around where you get distracted by them. I've never seen um, an action like it in my life. It's unbelievable. It's effective. <laughs> just, it's just elaborate. It's, yep, that's one way of putting it. Tumble. I, I'm not surprised Media Storm is favourite because he's very lightly raced and he nearly won last time out under a penalty when giving us a Michael Stout 5-4 to favourite, a really big race. He nearly got home that day. He should be well handicapped here of 82, I think, considering Stout's horse is 70 or 77 now. But he needs to prove he can handle turf coming back from a layoff. And that is why I'd possibly be just against him. But I do think he's the best horse in the race. So if he does produce his best back on turf and he's fit enough and raring ready to go, he'll be very hard to beat. However, I'm going to be sticking up power of states. I don't have a huge, huge opinion on this race, but I think he's a horse... Who I can give another chance to because he couldn't quite reel in mankind at Donny last time out. 
who also runs in this race. He did look as though he would win at one stage and must have a race like him in, like this in him off just a pound high. You'd, you'd have to say that. And um, I'm going to be hoping William Buick keeps his powder dry for as long as he possibly can. And I'm hoping going around to Ben will help him to conserve his energies. I hope William Buick can just creep into it from a low draw. He can tuck in on the rail and not produce a, his potent challenge until the very last minute. Because I think Power of States needs to preserve that energy for as long as he possibly can. And if he does, he's going to be bang there at the finish. And I think he'll probably fight out the finish with Media Storm. Mankayan is interesting for Charlie Fellows. Um, but I don't know, having had that rise in the weights this time, if he's going to be quite as effective in this better race. So for me, power of states to see off Media Storm. But it's definitely not a forecast I'm tipping. I'm just saying that's my opinion on the race. <laughs> Anybody know what Media Storm was sold for when he left James Tate to go to David Simcock? I don't know, but I imagine it was a fair whack because he was quite an impressive winner. Mm. Mm. And the fact that Night of Thunders are doing so well, the 38 grand that he was initially bought for, I suspect that there was a significant profit made on that case. Yeah, you would have thought. I'm just trying to Google it here to see if I can, if I can find anything to see what he was then purchased for. But uh, as you say, for we were talking about this the other day, weren't we, about uh, our first season size or second season size we've really been enjoying so far this season. And I said straight away, uh, sort of without having to think about the question that Night of Thunder, that I just think he's, we, he, I mean, he was seen to grace effect last season, but this season it, they've been, in my opinion so far, uh, just as impressive, if not more so, with some of their three-year-old debutants as well. So, um yeah, I haven't found anything just yet, but I'll do some root digging. I think it was a private sale, but we'll we'll see. We'll see how he develops. He's definitely better than the official mark of 82 that he has. Um, Power of States for William Buick and Hugo, Hugo Palmer is the selection for Tom Bull. Uh, 8.9 currently on the Better Exchange. And as for Miss Kate Tracy, 11.0 about Ed Walker's Dreamweaver with the cab driver. <laughs> Luke Morris hailing a cab. You will now that that's in your head. You'll never see him ride a finish in the same way ever again. Uh, the 150 is the Pat Eddery Stakes. It's a listed race. Seven furlongs for juveniles. So Rory Jalargi would obviously love this race. Uh, 3.75 on the Betfair Exchange about Burrows Twasso. Oh, he's a right swassle, that fella. Uh, Martin Harley on board. In fairness, if you're going to name a horse that, then what do you expect is going to happen? Uh, Sakia, John Gosden, Frankie DeTori, 4.5 on Betraver. St. Lawrence and Roger Varian, 4.5. Naval Crown for Charlie Appleby and William Buick is 5.0, the Dubawi. And we have to mention Cove. Good old Cove and County Cork. Clive Cox, Adam Kirby uh, for China Horse Club winner last time. Uh, Kate, lead us off again. Uh, what's your thoughts on the Pat Edry listed race? Yeah, it's going to be a twassle uh, as well. Twassle! <laughs> twassle! <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like I'm swinging a lightsaber around or something, doesn't it? <laughs> it's either an insult or a lightsaber. <laughs> That's all I can think now. Uh, yeah, I, I really like this horse a lot. I think he's really exciting. After his Woodcut win last time out, Owen Burroughs actually said he wants to step him up to seven furlongs next time out. Uh, so it looked as though he was uh, either going to go for the vintage stakes at Goodwood or come here with no penalty. So naturally, I'm happy they've chosen to come here instead. The horse he beat into second at Windsor, Zamani, won his subsequent start, as well as Supremacy, who finished uh, sixth in that race, has come out and won and won impressively on his next start also. So the form of that debut has stacked up well as well. Uh, Poitol is built like a two-year-old, so Owen Burrows said he wants to run in plenty as a two-year-old. And he also said that he felt he got away with the six furlongs in the Wood Cup because of there not being a big field and that he thinks he'll be better over seven furlongs anyway. And we know that he's down one over a mile and a half and she's a half-sister to cool company. So he should have enough, uh, plenty enough speed and stamina for this step up seven furlongs. So yeah, twassle. Twassle. I like him. I like him a lot. I'm with <laughs> you on this. Uh, what about you, Tom? Yeah, I'm very much in agreement with Kate. I think uh, makes a very good point there, particularly about pedigree and uh, stepping up in trips seven furlongs. Uh, I think there's been no problem from that point of view. I thought he did really well to win the Woodcutter last time at Epsom. I'm not entirely sure, convinced he was suited by the track that day, but he won going away. And I expect seven furlongs to be absolutely right up his alley. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him improve at all from that second start because he still looked like he had more to come. He was a little bit green coming up the camber. So I can see him proving again, progressing once more 
And I think he's quite a big, I know he's, I mean, he's not a big price, but compared to some of the other runners who have achieved placed placings in group contests, I think his form is slightly better. And I think he is, should be favourite. And maybe he will be tomorrow, or Saturday, I should say. Um, we shall see. But that form of the woodcut looks decent. Modern News is a good yardstick. I really don't think this is perhaps the strongest listed race in the world. And for me, the biggest danger might be St. Lawrence, who finished fourth behind very impressive winner of the Sovereign Stakes, Master of the Sea for Godolphin. Uh, he was a very taking winner. But St. Lawrence ran a big race. He was right up there towards the end, just faded in the final furlong, going up that new market rise. But I think he's got a big future to come. So I'd be keen on him. I think Sakea, very interesting, really, isn't it? How many maidens do you get these days, particularly juvenile maidens, who get ratings of 100, having finished third mm. twice? Mm. Last time in the Coventry, of course, which is why the rating has been, is, he's received that rating. But I'd be keen to take him on at the prices, despite this dropping grade. The form of the Coventry has not turned out great yet, with Carter very well beaten in the July stakes. And Toisol looks to me to have the most amount of gunfire in his ammunition. That makes sense? Kind of. Um, you just went for right. every pun you could possibly find there, and you're like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, got to, I've got to mention Cove. Um, you very kindly uh, announced <laughs> earlier. He, um, he's, he's got to have a big future, but the, the worry for me is that he beat a horse called Showbiz on debut, and he beat in the neck or a head. And uh, Showbiz was extremely disappointing at Chepstow earlier this week mm. when sent off a very short price odds on favourites. So that would worry me slightly. But Clive Cox's horses are absolutely flying this season, particularly as sprinters. Uh, so you'd have to give Cove a decent chance for those famous colours. But for me, it's Toisol as well. So hopefully, yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be cheering home the yellow and black colours that we all know so well for Owen Burroughs, who is also having a cracking season so far. He's really coming of age, I think this term and hopefully we can have another big one here. Yeah, very much so. And he's also a genius with juveniles. Just mm. for whatever reason, he's a genius with juveniles, but he's a genius in any right. And uh, as you said, his horses are in tremendous form. So the three of us are with Twasso. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I can't pronounce it any other way other than that now. It's just, it's done. It's ingrained in my mind in that way. And uh, given the fact that the three of us are going for this horse and it's live on Sky Sports Racing at 150, hopefully there will be gravy dripping on the Final Furlong podcast. With that in mind, before we get to the final few races, we're almost done. It's amazing. Uh, we did a competition on Twitter and Facebook to give away Final Furlong podcast mugs. This was in celebration of our first Final Furlong podcast race, which was won today by Kate Tracy. Oh, sorry, Johnny Burke. Yay! Uh, <laughs> One for the good guys. Uh, Johnny Burke on board. A Final Furlong podcast mug is on its way to Johnny Burke tomorrow at Tom George's yard, <laughs> even though it was actually Mr. Lacey who trained the winner. But still, you know, a bit of bias for Tom George, given his uh, association with Kate on the podcast. Um, but congratulations to L Lacey had two winners on the card as well, which was fantastic. Lacey and, and Burke, two runners, two winners at Utahster today on Sky. So well done to them. Uh, so in celebration, we decided we'd give away Final Furlong Podcast mugs. There are more Final Furlong Podcast races to come. There's one at Wolverhampton, and there's another one during the week as well. So watch out for them on Sky, uh, and make sure you tweet about them if you see them. So uh, the first winner is on our Facebook page, Tom Ferguson, who says, Easy game! Well done, Tom Ferguson. We'll be in touch. A Final Furlong Podcast mug is on its way to you. Uh, Alistair Ray says... I'm not really interested in the gravy, although it would be gladly taken. I just want lots of espresso shots. Man after my own heart, <laughs> Alistair Ray, gravy and espresso shots, whatever you want. Maybe combine the two. Maybe gravy and espresso. No, don't do that. Don't, no. Ooh, no. Ending up in hospital for the wrong reasons. Alistair Ray, uh, mug on the way to you. John Hayes, is there any chance you can send me one of these mugs for tea in work? Everybody thinks I'm a mug punter. Little do they know... I use the At The Races video guides. Well, John Hayes, they'll know now because you've won yourself a Final Furlong Podcast mug on the tweet machine. And Ray Brennan is choosing Enable in the King George. Ray, there's a Final Furlong Podcast mug on the way to you as well. Congratulations to our winners. We'll do it all again next week. Do we have a budget for this? What do you mean I'm paying for... What? 
No, apparently we have a budget, so we're doing it again next week. Yeah, yeah, we're doing it again next week. Excellent. Right, so Kate might do the question next week. Then we'll sort oh, that out. Then. Yes. No pressure, Kate. You've been booked for a show live on the podcast, <laughs> and now being told you have to come up with the competition question for next week on the tweet machine. Wonderful. August thirteenth, twenty ten. Frankel wins for the first time at Newmarket, beginning an incredible run of fourteen wins. All great streaks start somewhere, so start your own with Betfair's free bet streak. Simply bet twenty pounds on the exchange. This week and get a £5 free bet. If you win with a free bet, you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Weekly opt-in, back all exchange bets, placed Monday to Sunday. Minimum odds to £1.55 free bet awarded at bet settlement. Valid for 72 hours. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. Let me get this pronunciation spot on so that there's no confusion at all. The Moet and Chandon international stakes. Ah, yes. It's days like this that you really miss being on track. None of that Moet... Don't let yourself down with that. It's Moet and Chandon, international stakes. Blue Mist heads the betting on the Bedford Exchange. 5.5 currently for Ryan Moore and Roger Charlton. Those two added again. Uh, Oshin Murphy and Martin Mead, 8.5 with Ibri. Uh, Dane O'Neill and Roger Varian. I'm not even going to try and pronounce that because I haven't had enough coffee. Uh, William Buick, a chief of chiefs, is currently 13.0. Uh, Tom, we'll switch things up and go with you, my friend. The 225 over seven furlongs, the Moet and Chandon international stakes. Take it away. Sure thing. I have to say, I think Blue Mist is one of the worst favourites of a handicap I think I can recall seeing. <laughs> yes! Coming in hot! <laughs> I mean, it just amazes me that this horse is favourite for this race. I cannot fathom it. I mean, okay, fine. You look at the race that you finished ninth in last time out. In the Silver Wokium, only beaten us just over four lengths. He got absolutely no run whatsoever that day. Um, fine, you know, he wasn't he wasn't going to win it, but he might well have won it had he got clear passage. Like the winner, Chief of Chiefs, the drop back to a sprinting trip clearly had a favourable impact on him. But back up to seven furlongs now, I can't understand why everyone's coming for him because he quite clearly needs to be dropped back to six furlongs. He needs a sprinting trip. And as we saw at Newbury on his return, when he was really well punted that day. He didn't quite get home then over seven. And unsurprisingly, they did drop him back to six at Royal Ascot. And he might have won had he got a clear passage. However, he didn't. And the step back up to seven furlongs at a stiff track like Ascot is surely not going to suit him. And I'd be amazed if he won this race. And I can't really figure out how could he be sure it's nine to two in places. Um, you need to ask it on a seven furlong track at Ascot. You need to be finishing really strongly. And even though he's won over further in the past, he doesn't, he's not as effective at that trip, particularly these days. And I don't think he's a good price at all. Uh, so that's my thoughts on the favourite. You'll all be pleased to hear, I'm sure. Uh, Ebury is a horse we know who will see out the trip strongly. Conversely, the Bloomist, uh, Bloomist is kind of um, antagonist here, as he's been campaigned mostly to mile and stayed on really nicely in the Buckingham Palace last time out. And his two best performances, notably, have come over Ascot's straight course. And off the same mark as last time out, he certainly got a big shout. But again, he's a runner who I'd like to see a little more from before going in, in a race of this nature, at a price like the price he is as he's yet to actually prove he can land a contest like this because he's not really got close enough for me to really give him a chance. And I'll tell you what, can someone please explain to me why Jack's point is such a big price? I don't understand it whatsoever. He returned this season with a victory at Newmarket over this trip, beating Cliffs of Capri, who actually also runs in this race and then ran really well at the Royal Ascot. Jack's point then went to Royal Ascot himself and ran an absolute stormer at 66-1 to 1 behind Motokyle a horse that's now rated 112, having won the Bunbury Cup. So that form looks absolutely red hot. And you'd have to say blue points, sorry, blue points, um, Jack's point. <laughs> that form would be red hot. Nobody's blue points. Then might, might want easily. Um, yeah, the Bunbury Cup, obviously, looks red hot, that form now. Um, he then went off a short, Jack's point, this is, when then went off a short price a few days later in the Wokingham, 10 to 1, roughly, over a furlong shorter. And unsurprisingly, looked to have felt the exertions of earlier in the week. But he didn't run badly at all. He was definitely banged there towards the end. And you can discount his run at Epsom last time on Derby Day as he didn't handle the camber and it was enlisted company against some proven horses at the level. And the Grand Prix didn't quite suit him either. And Jack's point now back to the scene of his best performance to date behind Mother Kyle at a track we know he goes really well at should have a massive chance around about the 20 to 1 mark. I'm not sure what he is on the, on the Better Exchange, Emma, but he's, he's a big price and he should not be as big a price as he is because some horses that he has beaten in the past, in the recent past, are shorter prices than he is. And I think a lot of people looking back at that Epsom race thinking, oh, he didn't run a great race there, but though he has excuses for that. 
and he's definitely not handicapped out of things off 100. So Jack's point for me is the, is the big one in this race. And then the other one I like is a horse called Ashasi for John Gosden. He's down right at the bottom of the weights, just scraped in here. He scraped in here and he only, only just scraped home at Sandown last time in a decent handicap for the grade. And Lowe raised four pounds for that. John Gosden has booked the rogue George Rook. <laughs> last week has been uh, in a bit of trouble. Whether or not he meant to do it is up to the bay. We don't know. But he takes off a really important five pounds. So I'm willing to forgive him everything, which means... The horse that he is riding, a chassis, is actually running off one pound lower than when winning last time out. And there's a lightly raced three-year-old who's done nothing but progress. That can only be a good thing for the bottom of weight in a handicap like this one. So for me, it's Jack's point and a chassis against the field. Jack's point is currently 22.0 on the bet for exchange. You may get a little bit more before the race. But if Final Furlong podcast listeners do one of our let's all get on board the gravy train stunts and we all pile in on Tom Bull's tip for Saturday, particularly Tom, after that eloquent and epic rant about why is Blue Mist favorite? He's rubbish. <laughs> Worst favorite I've ever seen. Then this could be gold. Extremely silly. Not at all. We would never clip this up and then play audio <laughs> of Blue Mist winning. We'd never do that. Uh, now, I, I suspect this could turn out to be a gold promo, particularly when Jack's point is coming along there and Martin Dwyer is blowing kisses to a non-existent crowd. Uh, Kate Tracy, <laughs> please tell me that you are in agreement. I love I love that angle on Jack's point. I really do. I was I was looking at this race earlier and and uh, and I have to admit I did think he's a very big price here. And I, I was sort of waiting to see if there if when I kind of came back to check it later on, if there had uh, been any sorts of signs of any movement there. So I do really like the point on Jack's points as well. Um, and I agree with what Tom was saying about Blue Mist, that I just think he's a prime example of a horse that's being overbet because of the silver Wokingham and the fact he had his excuses with not having a clear run twice over the final furlong. And, uh, and then obviously prior to that with the second at Newbury. Um, and admittedly, the horse that beat him that day, I do really like him, Bear Force One. Uh, and obviously, that form took a boost with him winning his next start. And also, probably the fact that Ryan Moore rides now instead of uh, Jason Watson. So, um, yeah, I just thought that when I saw he was favourite, I did think, yeah, I think he's being overbet here because of the issues he met in running last time out. So, I wasn't keen on him. Uh, vale of Kent, he's also in there. He's on a career high mark now, though, of 108. We saw him finishing mid-division when trying to win back-to-back Banbury Cups last time out, running off the same mark again here, though, under Frankie again. Um, so that would have to be a concern for you that you know, he hasn't been returned a few pounds for that effort with conditions in his favour. wasn't really keen on him. Chief of Chiefs, I'm surprised he's running over seven again, especially after his win at Ascot um, in the Silver Wokeham handicap that Charlie Fellow said that he, he was really self-critical saying that, oh, he thought that this horse wasn't genuine. He was trying headgear on him because he was running him over all the wrong trip and that he sort of wouldn't be tempted to run him over anything further than six furlongs on the back of that win which he came and run over last uh, next time out, but didn't really do much. So he didn't really appeal to me either, which had me landing on Mutamarsic. Yeah, I thought he was a bit of value there against the favourite still. Dano Neal obviously rides the seemingly first choice hand on Al McToon runner, so that's already a positive for him. Something was clearly amiss with him in the Banbury Cup last time out, but it clearly wasn't anything too serious as he's able to run two weeks later. But... I definitely still draw a line through the run. And prior to that, he's looked very good and done very little wrong in his six prior starts, including a good third on his reappearance in the Buckingham Palace handicap at Royal Ascot, giving weight to the two in front of him and the six who finished behind him too, running off of a two-pound tyre here, which uh, makes him very competitive as long as his issue from last time out has been rectified. And that's the only price he is, is just because of whatever that issue was last time out. But Mutamarsic for me to, to rectify that from last time out and continue from where he left off. And a beautiful pronunciation as well, after I didn't even attempt it earlier on. Mutamasic, I now know, <laughs> thanks to Kate Tracy. Um, I would have really liked it if you'd just gone, yeah, I'm all over this horse as well, actually. We should all just get stuck in to Tom's selection. I, I'm not even going to give any views. And I know I've been working all day on this race, but Jack's point. Good night, good luck, <laughs> goodbye. But no, you had to go into serious work. And I admired that. Uh, Jack's point, Mutamasic reverse forecast. Maybe, maybe. Uh, all of those races are live on Sky Sports Racing on Saturday. At York, 240, the Skybet York Stakes Group 2. 
Oh dear. Uh, Alarcam. <laughs> 3.5 currently on the Betfair Exchange. Telecaster, winner in France last time out for Huey Morrison. Remember remember how excited people were about this horse? He was going to win the derby by a country mile. 4.5 he is for this race. Uh, Holly Doyle in uh, Group 2. What a fantastic season Holly Doyle is having. If there was one regret I had about... It was Tuesday, wasn't it? Yeah, Tony demanded that we record on Tuesday. Tony Keenan's a very demanding person. Uh, so when we did our, our half-term report on Tuesday, if there's one thing I regretted not mentioning, it was the jockey, the two jockeys that I've been most impressed with this season. And both of them stand out like a sore thumb. It's not like you need to have Inspector Clouseau level. Well, you'd be a real clown then. It's not like you need to be Sherlock Holmes to work it out. Colin Keane, incredible jockey. Uh, and Holly Doyle. What a phenomenal season she's having, and long may it continue. Regal reality. Uh, she will need to be at her brilliant best on this quirk bag of a horse. King of comedy uh, for John Gosden. Remember when people thought he was going to be a superstar? Anyway, uh, and Lord Glitters is in there as well. Good old Lord Glitters. Um, so the Skybet York Stakes Group 2. Uh, Tom, we'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, LR can. We all know about him. Um, we no, all know we do. Ability. Indeed, we all know he's he can either produce it or he can run a stinker. However, last time, he lost his right four shoe in the Hardwick, which does go some way to excusing his poor effort. And you couldn't put it all down to that, but you'd have to give him you know, a big chance on some of his Group 1 form last year in this race, as well as his very close second to Lord North in the Brigadier Gerald on his return, as well as the fact that he won this race in very good style last year. So... You know, he's deceptively highly rated, actually, at 119, which is a pretty high rating for a horse of his ability, I think, because I don't think he's probably quite worth that, possibly. Um, he may have been slightly flattered by that victory in this race last year on soft ground, which he won't get this time. But luckily, he does go on most types of ground. And let's be honest, he did win this race last year in pretty amazing fashion, beating a day by three lengths. Mm. And yes, that was on soft. And as we mentioned, he's equally adept on cricket ground. But for me, he is the one to beat in this race. And... We know he likes York. Horses for courses at York is quite a big thing because you need a horse who goes on the Naves Mile. Despite the fact that it's a pretty straightforward track, some horses just don't run on it. I mean, at least we know El Arkham does. Um, he had Telecaster in behind him, that Brigadier Gerard, and I expect places to be confirmed despite the fact Huey Morrison's contender did get back on track with a Group 2 victory at Longchamp last time out in good style. Well, that was a really, really weak race, which he, he probably would have won, you know, if he started a furlong behind the rest of them anyway. So, uh, you, you'd have to say that he hasn't really improved much there, and I'd still favour El Arkham to confirm those places. Aspatar uh, is an interesting little horse, really, because he hasn't had many chances at this kind of level, and he produced a really nice season of baby effort behind Manu Kour um, at Sandown, uh, Andre Faber's horse. But this is a step up, and he needs to find a bit on ratings, and the same goes for Fox Chairman, who finished third in that Sandown race, that same race. Um, it would be wonderful for Lord Glitters to win, for tragically his owner passed away, um, Jeff Turnbull, uh, yeah, yeah, Turnbull. terrible news, and it'll be great to see to see him win for those colours. Um, but I don't, I don't think he's probably going to be good enough this time. But maybe there'll be other days in the future when he can do that. Um, and I think you'd have to be a little bit barmy to be on King of Comedy on what he's shown so far in the last couple of seasons. He had a brilliant first season and the kind of a, a really good first half of the second season, and it's all kind of petered away since. He's still got a lot of talent, but he just needs to calm down a bit. So for me, it's El Arkham to win this, and I think he'll win it well. I don't think it's a particularly strong group two this year. I think last year's race is probably stronger than this one, and uh, he's, he's the pick for me. Uh, it would be lovely to see Lord Glitters run a huge race, and what a day they had at Royal Ascot last year when he won the Queen Anne. Um, terribly sad. 74 years of age, uh, Jeff Turnbull is. So thoughts to Sandra, uh, Sandra Turnbull, and, and all who knew him. Um, his family and his friends and, and all in racing. He, I never had the opportunity to meet him, but he seems to have been an, an absolute gentleman. So um, 74 is still young. It's, it's very, very young. In terms of the race itself, uh, King of Comedy, the only way he wins this race is if Rab Havlin looks around, sees whatever the biggest danger is to him, and then steers into that horse. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps the race in the steward's inquiry, but gets another 10-day ban. I'm going to appeal, he says. I've, I've looked back at the replay of that and I'm going to appeal it. Well, if you're appealing that, mate, then 
What are they banning anybody for? Dear God. Mm-hmm. Poor old Tom Marquand nearly got cleaned out. And um, for all that I would scoff and laugh about Alarcom, his victory in this race last year was brilliant, and he ran a fine race in the Jumpmont International behind... Japan. So it would be idiotic of me not to be supporting him, particularly when he's odds against. Uh, so step forward, Alarcam, to come and smack me in the face yet again, Kate Tracy. Yeah, it's um, it's a race full of characters, isn't it? That, yeah, that's, I say that's that's one way of putting it. diplomatic way I can put this race, really. When I was looking at it, I was, oh, goodness me, who's going to turn up in a good mood? Uh, yeah, Alarcam, say he was an easy winner of this race. Um, but him to have to become the first dual winner of this race as well. So, uh, as you say, obviously, on the when you first looked at him uh, last time out in the Hardwick, uh, you, you find yourself being a bit disappointed. Then you hear that he lost his one of his front shoes, so he has the um, he has the excuse there because the uh, the form of his previous start there in the uh, Brigadier Gerard obviously has taken boots everywhere, and people crib this horse quite a lot and use him as kind of a group yardstick, but in a negative way. I find so of course, or if he's got close to a winner, or he's got close to another horse. I've kind of found that people almost take it as a negative, which I think is uh, sometimes fairly unjust when he's on song. Um, yeah, and uh, I know Telecaster's win came after the Hardwick, but I thought it was uh, still, um, I kind of would have hoped that he would have shown obviously better, but he has the excuse of a shoe. And he didn't look like he saw out the trip either, really. So, you know, he's got excuses everywhere. Um, and he just, But he just never looked like he was going to win the race. So I don't know what, at what point he lost his shoe, but he just never looked like he was going to win that race. Dropping back down a trip here to a track he obviously likes again, should see him to better effect. But uh, he isn't a horse, as you say, you necessarily want to hang your hat on or take the short price. Then you do, you look down the list and you think, hmm, who's likely to beat him though? And I am almost half tempted to go with King of Comedy here. I, cause I just, You're out of your mind! I know. I'm fully aware of that. I was aware of that way before I said this horse's name. (laughs) But I'm just, I'm waiting for this horse to land a race like this. I really am. But I just, I just don't know when it's going to happen. Last time out, he was clearly the class act in the field and was most likely running in the Diamond Stakes instead of the Queen Anne because of the strange season and having enough time to ready him for that race rather than connections thinking it's because of a lack of ability on his part. Um, And obviously, as we know, he was one of the better top milers last season I was really looking forward to seeing him again after he's had another winter to strengthen up top performances obviously in the Heron States and finishing a next second in the St. James's Palace after arguably shaping the best that day as well as well as his two lengths four for the Judmont International suggests that he'll go very well if producing his top form from last season and he was still a little bit immature last year so I expected him to improve considerably this season which is why I was just so disappointed last time out really um, especially because the ground was perfect for him they left the cheek pieces off last time out so left them off again here uh, so connections must feel he's able to concentrate better now or maybe he was just a bit too keen in them before and he always seemed like he might well be more of a one mile two horse this year but had to start him somewhere so one mile looks just that starting point and I think he'll fare better over 10 furlongs here so I'll probably be I will be eating my words I guarantee but I'm tempted to take on Alarcam with King of Comedy here you love to see it maybe Robert Havlin will just do it maybe he'll say I want another bit of a holiday and he'll he'll see PJ McDonald or he'll see Jim Crowley coming along and he'll just go nah don't think so not today oh, have a bit of that and on he goes takes it takes the prize win at all costs if he I, gets, gets a 28 day day ban then on a, the back of it gets appeal. a 48 day ban more like uh, I'm going to appeal that 10 day ban he's lucky it wasn't 20 uh, King of Comedy I see where you're coming from but I'm going to side with Larkham uh, very briefly Kate you wanted to talk about the 315 at York Oh, yeah. Oh, just because I looked at it. <laughs> uh, Ryan, yeah, I thought Orban was a favourite, um, but I wanted to take him on. And there was a horse that I just thought was a bigger price, so hence why the reason to talk about it was um, Irv, who I'm, I'm presuming is named after his owner, <laughs> Irvine Lynch, uh, as well, who is uh, at, a, at a decent enough price at our current showing as we record. And um, I just want him to take on the favourites. He's a previous course and distance winner in a Class 3 handicap almost a year to the day ago, 78 
five pound lower than he's carrying here. And admittedly, that was his highest career winning mark. But he won a second start over the same course and distance to start before that also. So clearly has a liking for this course and distance. Is disappointed. He's disappointed on two further visits to York, but he had a wind off over the winter and came back much better on his reappearance run. He finished second at Thirsk. Uh, by one and a half lengths, giving the winner four pound in the process over the one mile trip. His second start after the wind up then comes here, which is always an angle I like. And hopefully he's learned last time out that he can push through with his finishing effort, see out his race much better. Plus, as you say, he's got the uh, he's got Holly Doyle books, which in itself is just a huge plus. And at the prices, I'd be more tempted to back him rather than Orban, who I'd like to see string two efforts, two good efforts together properly before backing him at a short price. So Irv for me. Irv is currently 14.0 on the Betfair exchange, but given the form that Holly Doyle is in, and the form that Kay Tracy is in, for that matter, with banging in the winners. I'm not entirely sure how much longer that will last. 14.0 is the current price on the bet for exchange. Best bets for the weekend. No pressure. Tumble. Got to be Johan in the three o'clock at Ascot. I just think he's a horse going places. Um, did a brilliant performance um, last time out at Newbury. It was a cracking, stonking effort to come from the back. And I think it's going to be really hard to beat. And as I say, hopefully he'll go on to brute success in the future. So Johan, three o'clock at Ascot on Saturday is my best bet. And we'll all do the Johan Cruyff turn as soon as he goes in. (laughs) (laughs) You are off to talk to Joseph O'Brien, the Betfair brand ambassador. So uh, have a great chat with Joseph and uh, we'll chat to you soon. So I'm looking forward to having you back on the show again soon. So, man, thanks very much indeed. See you soon. Take care, my friend. Keep knocking in the winners, hopefully this weekend as well. Kate Tracy, your best bet of the weekend. Because he is still a decent enough price as our current reading, it's going to be Twassel, I think, in the Pachedery Stakes. <laughs> He's going to be that. And uh, sort of for bigger prices then, uh, for a bit more value, say if he hasn't still got the value by the time that any of our listeners hear this podcast, it's going to be Muta Marsic in the 225 International Stakes at Ascot. Oh, I like it. I like it. Um, if you were to do a one pound lucky 63 on Twassel, <laughs> Jack's Point, Johan, Alarcam, Dreamweaver, and my nap of the weekend, Japan, <laughs> you would get back 127,907 euro. Well, hey! <laughs> Let's give that if a I go, shall we? <laughs> If only we didn't have one leg to let down. Oh, and, and here come and Japan. He's not stopping. <laughs> and Abel can't catch him. Japan. Oh, spectacular stuff. Uh, looking forward to it. We, there's not really much point in talking about the Tadasols Gold Cup because the the thing is. Um, Magical's going to run, but we don't know what's going to run against her. Uh, what I will say <laughs> is that she's currently four to five with Betfair on the sports book. They've said she's going to run. We don't know who will join her from Team Bally Doyle. I think Sir Dragonade, much to Tony Keenan's frustration, they're going to persist in trying to turn him into a 10 furlong horse. So he's going he's to run in that race as well. Uh, <laughs> she wins, basically, Kate. Yeah, I do. I, I do think she wins here. I mean, it's, the fact she's missing a clash with an able and a small field King George to take these lots on whoever turns up uh, in sort of a, a more open looking race speaks volumes of itself. And her, her comeback run in the Pretty Polly couldn't have gone much better either, could it really? Uh, after we thought she was going to go to a breeding shed over the winter and she already had a date booked with No Nay Never. Um, she was ruled out of the Breeders' Cup with an infection. And then to come back, and the only issue we kind of thought with her was going to be was going to be fitness potentially in the pretty poly but to be fair she didn't even have that tested um so she could have been only 80 percent fit for all we know because it was just a piece of work for her in a group one so she strengthened up she is 100 percent the horse to beat but if buckhurst runs i uh, i really like buckhurst i don't think he quite gets the credit he deserves i don't think he got the credit for the win over sir dragon name last time out he deserves and he's a uh, he's how many times a three-time course and distance winner over this um yeah over this course and distance so the fact he's going here would make sense and i think that he would be a nice bit of value provided the ones that we have on our current betting showing do still show up and he's fast to be fair he is fast as well so yeah i'd I'd respect him but i'd be bitterly disappointed if magical doesn't turn up and while i'm highlighting concerns and tony keenan highlighting concerns on the podcast as well about enable as an older horse, the vibes about Magical are nothing but spectacular. Thriving as a five-year-old, according to Aidan O'Brien. He said that on this show, and he said it on Sky recently as well, which Tony was referring to. So let's see. Let's see. She heads 
for the Tata Souls Gold Cup. Japan goes for the King George. Therefore, Japan is going to beat Enable. Uh, we'll review it all for you in a couple of weeks, actually. So here's the current plan. On Monday, we'll be recording a Galway preview with Kate Tracy and with Danny Mullins. Looking forward to that. On Monday, we're also recording a Goodwood preview with Declan Ricks and Rory DeLarge. Uh, Thursday or Wednesday, one or the other, there's an interview show. And then we're reviewing the King George, Tattersall's Gold Cup and Goodwood all together, Nick Luck and Jess Stafford on for that. And we'll also be reviewing Galway in a separate podcast as well. So lots of Final Furlong podcasts coming at you. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud, on where else is it, Kate? We're everywhere. Spotify. (laughs) So if you hit the subscribe button, it just, algorithms were changed. It helps. It makes them realize, oh yeah, that's good. Well, hopefully you think good show and uh, pushes us further up the list. Um, You had us in hot shows, top shows, top shows. They changed it to top shows the other day on Apple Podcasts and that made me smile. So thank you very much. Um, Vanessa was very excited when she saw it as well. And Vanessa Ryle back on the show very soon too. So if you haven't done it already, steal a phone. I mean, borrow a phone (laughs) while social distancing and hit that subscribe button. Kate Tracy, pleasure as always. Oh, the pleasure was all mine. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much again. I'll speak to you on Monday. And come on, Twassel! Uh, we'll chat to you on Monday's Final Furlong Podcast and the two of them. Until then, take care. Have a great weekend. God bless. Will it happen or won't it happen? You can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange, proud sponsors of the Final Furlong Podcast. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile. Visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.